0: Good morning. We want to welcome you to Connect Church. For those of you that are in the house today, man, you guys are an awesome looking crowd. And for those of you that are watching online, my name is Terry Pierce, and I get the privilege to be uh, the pastor here at Connect Church and share with you today. Uh, We are on a journey. We're going through the book of Philippians, and we've entitled this sermon called, this sermon series, if you will, Joy in the Journey. And we're helping you week in and week out sort of discover that God wants you to find joy in the journey that you are on. And so welcome to week three of getting that principle down in your life. In 2003, a young man by the name of Aaron Ralston, he was an avid outdoorsman, and he was hiking in the mountains of Utah, and he would find himself in a desperate situation a boulder would come un, un, unloose from one of the pillars that he was uh, trying to repel from. And the boulder would fall and crush him in his arm against another pillar. And as he lay there between those two rocks, he struggled mightily to get his arm free. Six days, he fought to get his arm out of that rock that it was pinned under. Finally, in desperation and dehydration, true story, Aaron would take a utility knife, pocket tool, dull, and he would cut off his arm to free himself. Now bleeding, dehydrated, six days, he would repel off a 60-foot cliff there in Utah down to the ground, and then he would hike eight more miles out of that ravine and desolate area to he finally crawled to a couple who was out in that area. They would call in a uh, helicopter, and they would take him to the hospital, and miraculously, he would survive. And when you hear a story like that, it just compels you to ask the question, Man, that guy had to have something worth living for. There had to be something compelling him to go through all of that. And so, as we learn the lesson from Aaron, what do you think about us? What is driving you today? What are you living for? And we all get it. We spend money on the best doctors. We fight to survive in life. We pay more money for organic food. Yay. We avoid church, some of y'all do, during COVID uh, to survive. You even cut off our body parts to live longer. So the question before us in this hour this morning is, what do you live for? What do you live for? And thinking through that this morning, we're going to unpack today what another gentleman that was between a rock and a hard place, his name was the Apostle Paul. And what we've learned over the last three weeks is Paul had wrongfully been imprisoned for two years. Remember the last two weeks for preaching the gospel. He was in a Roman, on his way to a Roman prison for two years for simply being really good at preaching the gospel and getting communities upset because God was changing their lifestyle. Now we learned last Sunday that Paul was chained probably 16 hours a day, literally chained link to link to a Roman, patro- patro- to a Roman official guard. <laughs> Praetorian guard. You try to say that. And now every day, 16 hours a day, he's chained to another man in this prison cell. And Paul... By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now think through this, only God could do this with his sense of humor, is saying to a guy, you talk about between a rock and a hard place, in a prison cell, chained to another man for 16 hours a day, I want you to write a book about joy. What? What? Why does God do that weird stuff? He just wants to mess with us, I think, sometimes, and to just show us it's about me, it's not about you. And he inspires the Apostle Paul to write a letter to the church at Philippi, encouraging them about what life is worth living for. Now, here's what I've used in the word. This is not in your notes, but go ahead and write this down. It's not on the screen, so just hold on there, uh, uh, Nick, for just a second. A life worth living for and a death worth dying for. That's what we're talking to you guys about today. Here's how the Apostle Paul summarizes it. He says it in Philippians 121. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, no matter what your circumstances are, I have found out how to have a life worth living for and a life worth dying for. So what about you this morning? For those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in the house today, where do you find yourself, and how do you make decisions? And what I want to talk to you today, and this is going to be really practical, how do you make decisions when you, you, are between a rock and a hard place? Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians chapter 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading today in verse 18. And we're going to take you through this last paragraph, I'm sorry, verse 19. We're going to take you through this last paragraph this morning and helping us understand how do we make decisions? What do we learn from the Apostle Paul about how to make decisions when we are in a place, between a rock and a hard place? You may not have a life or death struggle this morning, and you may find yourselves just in the little things that you struggle with. Um, maybe you're not caught in a cliff in Utah, or maybe you're not deciding whether or not your family is, you know, going to leave and move to the mission field in Japan today. I get it. But, you know, we have daily little struggles that put us in very difficult circumstances. And how do you make those little decisions? You say, Pastor Terry, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. And let me prove my point. You're getting ready to be in a life or death decision in about what is eleven fifteen? by the way um this is a life or death struggle i am really between a rock and a hard place illinois is tipping off in the next 60 seconds so here's what we're going to do in the ncaa tournament y'all go home and read the rest of this story and i'm going to go watch now anyway uh, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh so um this what they have a vcr a vcr oh my goodness i'm old uh, anyway uh, this is how we're on my vcr where did that come they're going what did? What's the acronym? I know it's just. It's Google it anyway. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, we we make these decisions and come here, and you're going to make a very difficult decision that's just going to cause a total uproar in your family in in about forty minutes. Because as I wrap this up, and you know we do a very short sermon here on in the second service on Sundays, and as I wrap all of this up, and around eleven thirty when we're all done, <laughs> I can't even say see. Uh, but anyway, and you know what's going to happen next. You're, you're going to, with um, just, you know, anger on your face, you're going to look at your spouse because you know what's happening next. When you utter these words, what she's going to say or what he's going to say, and you're going to look at your spouse. So, where do you want to go eat at for lunch? And you know that decision between a rock and a hard place, and you know what they're going to say. Somebody already said it. I don't know where you want to go. I don't know where you want to go. And you're going to go back and forth like a tennis match until somebody loses a gasket. And it's going to go down. And then, if you're like the Pierce family, when she finally makes up her mind... It says, let's go here. You go, well, I don't really want to go there. And then I'm telling you, it is on. It is over. You might as well go home and eat leftovers. So we find ourselves every day making difficult decisions between a rock and a hard place. And it's not just us. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and Adam. And we humans have been struggling between this rock and a hard place throughout our lives. And, 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 note, and note this morning. Hear me today. Now, I need everybody to pay attention to this because I don't want you emailing the deacons or texting me later this week and go, I'll tell you what, we've got to change churches because we've got a liberal preacher. No, no, no. Listen to me this morning. Clearly, what I want you to know is there, what I'm talking to you today is not about moral, ethical decisions that God's word has already settled. We don't wrestle with those. Are you listening to me today? When God's word says it, right or wrong. There is no debate. I don't care what generation you are. When the book has settled it, that's it. We're done with that. So I'm not talking about clearly black and white issues, moral issues of the Bible. We're not discussing those are, you know, difficult to make. No, you do what God says, clearly. But what I am talking about is there's a whole lot of daily decisions in our life that are not outlined in the scripture. We understand those as gray areas of our life. How do you process those? That's what we want to help you with today. How do you process those things that are not clearly outlined in scripture? That really what you're doing is on a daily basis, you're weighing out the pros and you're weighing out the cons. You're taking a chance, guys, pros and cons. I think that girl will go out with me. I've got one in a million shot. Do I take the risk of everybody embarrassed with me? But you've got to weigh out the pros and cons between a rock and a hard block. You guys do this every day. There's a chance. All right, anyway, and so, uh, so we make these decisions about the, you know, the pros and cons, and we weigh those out. How do we process those? How do we handle those kind of decisions? In our text, in the book of Philippians, we're going to encounter that Paul had an emotional dilemma. Now, listen to me this morning. You need, to, you need to connect with our text today. I'm not talking about a guy that is just trying to make a super spiritual decision. I'm talking about a guy that is in a prison cell that is chained to another man. This was more than an intellectual, religious uh, uh, experience for him. This was an emotional, he was tied to it. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna make the right decision in my life? Just like you and I, got, you and I struggle with these kind of things. And Paul says, I can't have both in this situation. This is my dilemma, and how do I deal with this? Notice what he writes in the text. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. In other words, he sees the big picture, and that's going to set the tone for him. It's in my eager expectation and hope, I will not be at, at all ashamed But with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Back to that statement. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We're going to unpack that for you in a minute. For if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He's weighing the pros and cons. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. But I'm hard pressed between the two in a rock and a hard place. Y'all getting where I got this title? My desire is to depart to be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and the joy and the faith, so that you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you and understanding, and that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened anything by your opponents, that is a clear sign of their destruction, but of your salvation and from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you and I saw and now here that I still have. Paul maintains a joyful attitude even in the conditions that were, were such a dilemma for him. Notice again, he maintains a joyful attitude. And why was that? Now, this isn't in your notes, but I want to make this fundamentally profound for you as well. Some of you here this morning can never get past this daily struggle that you're in. Listen to me. You know Bible. You learned it as a kid. You grew up in the South. But man, you, for whatever reason, you are struggling to connect the dots. And this is in almost every church, including us. We're trying to help you get past it. Your problem is, is you just are not understanding the big picture. Look at me. You're not going to like this. Your problem is, is yourself. You're trying to find purpose in a place that you were not created for. This life, this world that we live in is cursed by sin every day you knock your head against satan and he wants to destroy you you in you. He's going to put obstacles in your way. He's going to cause death and disease in your family. He's going to frustrate you with your job. You're going to see every excuse to go down the wrong road. He is going to make temptation look so inviting to you just to have stress relief from the misery that you're in. And all the while, it comes back to the point, life, and you don't like this, but life's not about you. Paul found joy on planet earth because he was living for a bigger mission. He had understood his mission in life was to know Christ. Well, that's just not very exciting or liberating. It is very liberating, and the problem is, is you're not taking this to heart. You guys on a be right now shouting and applauding because let me say it again when you want you want joy in your life you're only going to find it when you determine that Jesus is your joy and here's where we come to the definition of what we're talking to you guys about today joy is an attitude of the heart determined by confidence in God Paul's dilemma this is what we're teaching you every Sunday joy is an attitude of the heart determined by your confidence in god paul was living his life on mission so let's talk to you guys a little bit about your mission all right uh let's get really let's get really down to earth with you guys today that's what we do here at connect church and this is why some of you not crazy about it because we we want you guys to be different as you leave here today See, right? And and we could talk to you guys. I could write a book, and I could tell you this morning, right now, let me give you five things to have a positive attitude and roses and butterflies and everything's gonna be great and and all that kind of stuff. And you know what, you can read all the self-help books you want and you can read about positive thinking all you want, but until you deal with the deeper issues of why you're not happy, you can sugarcoat it and you can put all the little fluff on it and you're never going to, when you've got a scab and you've got a wound, first of all, you need healing before you can feel better. So you guys ready to do some healing, the tough work of putting the medicine on it. I want you to put on your notes today a little blank on your paper. And here's what I want you to write down. Fill in the blank. For me, living is what? is blank. I want you to write down your notes, just that simple. For me, on your phone. For me, living is blank. What do you live for? Now, I know what you're sitting there going, and you're thinking, well, I need a Sunday school answer. You know, for me, I live for Jesus Christ, and I live for, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. All right, let's be honest. Being honest in church is always a good thing. When I asked that question just a second ago, what's the first thing that popped into your brain? For me, living is, because honestly, it's probably where your heart's at some of you if you're honest you're selling for cheap substitutes in your life if you're honest you wrote down for me living is money some of you wrote down if you were honest me live for me living is sexual pleasure for me living is power I got to be in control for me living is beauty I am terrified of getting old and and not looking as pretty as I was for me living is entertainment man I just want to numb myself and I want to watch TV and I want to play video games and blah 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 and I want to you know go watch the movie whatever I've got to entertain myself because I don't want to deal with my reality now let's ask a second question that Paul does in the text this is applying to your life hang with me we're going to get better you're like man this is a bummer today dying is blank how do you fill in this second blank dying is blank Because remember Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is what gain. Well, let's see what your answers are. So if you filled in truthfully where some of you are struggling at for me living, let's say you put money. Do you know what you're going to put here? Let's just be honest. If if living for you is money, then you know what you're going to put about dying? Write it down. You write the word broke. Because when you die... You're going to be broke. I hate to, I got news for you. You can kill yourself for all the toys and all the money in the world, and you ain't taking a single red cent with you. Matter of fact, you're going to leave it behind, and guess what's going to happen? Your kids and your grandkids are going to have a big throw down fight over it. They're going to quit speaking to each other, fighting. They got the money. They liked him. They liked her. You think they act that way now? You wait till you leave an inheritance behind and watch how childish they act. When we live for money, you're going to die broke. If you wrote down for sexual pleasure, when you write the word dying, that means I have no more pleasure. If you wrote down the word power, in the second blank, you're going to write dying is powerless. I got news for you. COVID is real, but so is death. You can do whatever you want, and you will not stop the day that God has appointed that you will die. You are powerless. Nobody has ever beat death except one, and his name is Jesus. And that's the only way you're going to beat it, too. If you're living for beauty, if you wrote down my life is because I'm terrified I'm going to get old and I'm going to get wrinkly and, and I'm going to get bald and I'm going to get fat. And, and if you're living that, that your identity is in your beauty and, and that that's the only way that you know how to, you know, whatever in your life and everything is about your beauty, I got news for you. You ain't going to beat that either because when you die, it, when you look back in a, 10 years in your casket, it ain't going to be pretty. All the makeup in the world I ain't going to help you out. You're going to lose your beauty. So, when we think about entertainment, if you wrote down entertainment, you need to know on your gravestone, it's going to read, in death, he had no more fun. In your short life, what you live for, what will you live for and what will you die for? You're going to spend 80 years, probably average at best, on this planet. And the thing is, you're killing yourselves. And maybe it's not any of the things I've listed. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your goal in life, whatever you think will make you happy, you're killing yourself. But let's just go back over my list. We're killing ourselves for the money, the sexual pleasure, the, uh, the, the beauty, uh, the entertainment, all of it. And guess what? The reason that we're so unhappy is because all of these things are fleeting gifts. Do you realize all of the things that I just listed are all gifts from God? Now, Now hear me this morning. Everything I just listed, all of it, there's nothing wrong with any of it. God is the one that gave us entertainment. God designed sexual pleasure. God designed the money. God gave us the beauty. I'm telling you, God has given us all these gifts. The problem, you and I are worshiping the gifts instead of the giver. And every time you enjoy and worship the gifts rather than just thank God for what he's given you, all you're doing is hurting yourself guys, we got to get back to worshiping the giver and not the gifts. And that's what Paul's argument is. He's not saying, I didn't give you all the God, listen, let me illustrate to you. You guys are not getting this thing too. We worship the gifts. God wants you to enjoy the gifts, but he wants you to put him first and he's going to give you more. He's going to take care of you, but you worship him. Obedience. Let me illustrate to you this way. That's the best way I can possibly. It's it's my favorite illustration. I had a friend uh, who helped me understand this point. I had a former friend. Let me emphasize former, former friend. Who one day, Smart aleck, walked into my office. And if you don't know me, watching for the first time, I'm Terry Pierce, and I have a problem. I am addicted. The Krispy Kreme donuts. So I just got to let you know. So I'm confessing, own it. Uh, I'm trying to go to rehab. It's called, never mind, because I said it's the first service. It started with the K thing, and it went really bad from there. Anyway, so, um, but here's, here's my thing. This former friend walks in with a box of donuts. I'm not talking about the, the Shell gas station, you know, little you know, cruddy stuff. I'm talking about the real box, you know, the big box from the actual store with a sign, hot sign on it. And so this was the real deal. None of the fake donuts. I hate those. And so he brings me in, you know, the whole 12 donut box and sets it on my desk. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> hey, buddy, I'm praying for you this week. And I open up the box, John. And my former friend had done to me He had given me a box that was completely empty. There wasn't a John Brown donut inside the box. I was livid. I opened up that box and I am so mad. I don't think I spoke to him since. But you know what I did? I have a problem. And this is embarrassing. But because of my addiction to Krispy Kreme Donuts, I I took the box inside my office, and all it had was a few crumbs and the icing stuck all over the bottom of the box. I still get, oh, it just makes me woo! And I'm not gonna lie to you. I picked the box up, And I started licking it. (laughs) I stuck the box to my face to get those couple of donut crumbs. Is that not embarrassing? And and I and I'm licking the box, and I've got icing on my forehead, I've got icing on my chin, and I'm you know and I'm doing this whole thing. You can just picture in your mind. And I got the and I don't just do it once. I find the corner of the box, and I'm licking the corner of the box, and it left me so empty. Because all I wanted to do was get in my car and drive to Columbus and get four boxes. And you're living your life for the money and the sexual pleasure and the beauty and the power and the entertainment and all your life. And all you're going to get in this life, are you listening to me, is the crumbs. All you're going to get is the leftover icing. It's never going to satisfy you. And all the while, God Almighty is pouring into you today saying, if you will obey me. If you will follow me, I'll give you the whole box. I want to make your life count. I'll give you more than any of these crumbs that you're trying to settle for. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He understood that the cool thing about God is is he's wanting us to understand that life is so much more about what we get here in this lifetime. And by the way, God is doing that in our Connect Church family. Uh, folks are discovering in this journey that we're on, and here's what they're discovering, is that when you choose, what does it look like to let God satisfy you? And this is what I need you to understand this morning. For me to live is Christ. So what does that mean, Pastor Terry? is simply this. When you realize that you're a sinner, when you realize that you're a sinner, the struggle is real. I don't care how you were raised the problem is you we have sinned against a holy God we do not deserve to have our backside sitting in these chairs this morning but you know what Jesus Christ said I love you anyway I love you anyway. I love you anyway. And God Almighty loved you enough to send His only begotten Son. Third part, second part of the Trinity, and he sent Jesus Christ to be nailed to a cross. We're going to talk to you about that next Sunday. And he was nailed to a cross, and because he was nailed to that cross, because he paid the debt that I could never pay, you could never work it off, you could never be good enough to ever pay the debt you owe to Almighty God. And Jesus paid it all, and I'm telling you, I am forgiven here this morning, my past is gone. It is settled. It is behind me and I am moving forward. And ladies and gentlemen, when you understand Christ like that, that is the joy that you bring into your life. The joyful attitude for me to live is because of Christ. So folks, let's counter that with how We in the church approach dying. I'm going to be real careful here this morning. Well, probably not, but... Can I be honest with you? There's a concern that I have about the church. Not just ours, the church in general. After 30 years of ministry, I don't think we look at death right. And I'm probably going to hurt some of y'all's feelings today. And I'm not going to mean to. But what I'm doing is I want to challenge your way of looking at death. I think, and what I hear, is far too many Christians who hear me preach about to live as Christ, they don't like the next phrase. I want to put it back up there again. Notice what he says, and to die is gain. That's not how you all talk. What is Paul saying, to die is gain? When I listen to average church member, whoa, I mean, I'm talking about church people that will not go to a funeral. And when I ask him, why won't you go to a funeral? Man, that just gives me the willies. Man, I, and we, and we act like we are literally terrified of dying. And i got to be honest with you, I don't get it. We act like, and we're going to do everything in our power. COVID, and oh, I don't want to die, and all that. And I'm not being morbid here this morning. And we say things to one another. And we act like that the worst thing in the world that's going to happen, and I get it when we say this, you know, that well, that that's a great loss. And I get it. And, and, and I make the statement that, you know, yes, it's going to be a personal loss when somebody dies in our family. And I totally get that. But we act like that when somebody in our family or the church dies, it's all over, and we make the statement again, you know, that that's lost. That's, we'll never get that back. Stop it stop it you realize that in christ the greatest day of your life is not the day you were born it's not when all the things come true and you get married and you walk down the aisle or whatever you realize the greatest day of your life is when you draw your last John Brown breath and you walk into the presence of Jesus Christ God Almighty and you're never battling cancer again. You're never facing sexual temptation again. You're never struggling with being in control and worried about paying your debts again because I'm telling you, when you walk into glory, you're with Jesus and it's all behind us. So why in the world Are we running away from death like we're terrified it's the the end all? I got news for you, it's not the end all. I, I preached brother Ralph Dickey, who died of COVID just a few months ago, did all the things right, stayed away, still got COVID and passed away. Well, we lost brother, no, we didn't lose brother Ralph at all. I know right where he's at. He is far better than any of us in this room today. When, when Gary Merritt passed away if you, well, you lost your good friend. You lost the deacon. No, I didn't lose my deacon friend. I didn't lose him at all. I know right where Gary's at, and God bless me. One day, and hopefully really soon, I'm going to be with him again. You see, why are we acting like it's all over at death? It's just getting started. I'm going to spend a million years with Gary Merritt having fun, playing golf, and I'm going to beat him for the first time ever. On all seriousness, we act like death is just, ah, ah, If you know Christ, if you know Christ, death is the best day of your life. Death is a game. Paul said, I long to be with Christ. I'm tired of the battle. And if you've been battling sin and you've been preaching all your life, I'm telling you, come get me today. I love you all, and the only reason I want to stay is to help more of you know Christ. But outside of that, come get me now, because I'm done. I'm tired of doing funerals. I'm tired of death and disease and the struggle. I want to go with Jesus. All of the things that you've been looking for. Have you ever thought about this? What are you going to do in heaven? And I I think one of the whole reasons that we don't get this whole phrase down about death is gain because we don't dream about heaven enough. Y'all are too worried and dreaming about, oh, I've just got to have this. Thing. If my, you know, if, maybe if I get more stimulus money. Are you kidding me? Uh, if all of these things come together in my life, then I'm going to be happy. How's that been working for you so far? How's your marriage? How's your kids? How happy are you? all? Oh, if I could just get to that age of retirement. Ask some of those that are in retirement, man, I can see it on the horizon. and I got news for you. If I'm going to feel like I do now 10 years later, I ain't looking forward to it. I got news for you. It hurts. We keep dreaming that this place in our life is going to make us all happy and blah, blah, blah. It never happens here. Quit listening to the liar. It's in Jesus. Our hope is in him. And we don't dream about heaven. I dream about a day, and it's not what we think of like in the old days that we're just going to fly around like angels and have nothing to do. This is where you guys are being lied to by Satan. In heaven, you're going to be busy. Do you realize that all the things I talked about, all of the things that God has given us on this earth, none of that has come by. All of the good stuff that happens in our life, God designed it all. You're going to be busy in heaven working and not be tired. You're going to be busy in heaven getting to enjoy climbing a mountain in Utah because remember what God said? He says, I'm going to take this old earth and I'm going to renew it and restore it back to the, what? to the days before it was in Adam. Do you know we're going to live on this earth and it's going to be without sin and it's going to be perfect and you're going to get to go to the ocean, you're going to be able to climb mountains, and you're not going to be too fat and old and tired to enjoy it. Isn't that awesome? Wow! And we're gonna to get to eat. And I don't know, it may not be, it may be Terry and, and, uh, and uh, pork chops, you know, pork ribs that won like yesterday's first place prize. I don't know what we're gonna eat, but all I know is I'm gonna eat meat and I'm not gonna get fat. I'm just telling you, it's gonna be awesome. Donuts. <laughs> don't even go there because I'll never finish. Seriously, heaven is gonna be everything good that God ever created without sin. So why are you wanting to hang on to here? Maybe. Maybe if we imagined heaven a little bit more, if we really just didn't thought about going to be with Jesus a little bit more, instead of fearing it, maybe we would have more joy in our lives and quit getting hung up on here and now. Somebody want to write a song. Well, I'm gonna, I, this just hit me. This is profound today. Somebody needs to write a song about heaven and the title on a be, and you just do the rest, is I can only imagine. Somebody uh, come up with that. And so... Well, wow. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was good. Paul says one last time, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So let's wrap all this up. I've got one minute. Oh my goodness, one minute, 40 seconds. So <laughs> you get ready to write fast. All right. Three practical steps. Three practical things to take away with you today. How do I make right decisions between a rock and a hard place? Number one is we learn to rejoice in Christ. We learn to rejoice in Christ. Paul tells the church at Philippi, Philippi, whatever it is, he tells them, "I want you to learn how, in your future and present situations, to rejoice, no matter what circumstances you're in." Let's dig a little bit deeper into the text. Notice what he says in verse 20: "Is it is eager, is my eager expectation that I hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored." Magnified is a term in in my body, whether by life or death. Dr. Frank Tillman, noted New Testament Greek scholar. He says the word uh, expectation there has the idea of eager expectation. In the original language, it had the idea of being liberated from bondage. In other words, what Paul was saying to the church at Philippi I know you're going to have suffering in this life I know it's going to be difficult and challenging to fight through the sin and all of the back issues in your marriage and all you're going to constantly battle all of this stuff in this life but hold on with eager expectations no God's going to get you through these battles so rejoice as you go through the struggle, rejoice. And you want to know why? Because you want to glorify God, and others can see God in you. Now, real quickly, uh, how do we magnify Christ in our life? And, and we stink at this. How do we magnify? Well, I, how does a human, how do we look and, and we go, you know, how do we, we look at, at you and say, you know, that, that Taylor, How how is Taylor going to glorify Christ in her life? it's just Taylor, after all, you know, it's Taylor, and so how does, how does her, how does she, how does her, how how does she glorify Christ in her life? Because as you learn to go through the suffering in your life, God has called us to magnify him. What does that mean? Last night, we had some friends over after a long day, and I had grilled hamburgers. I went out to clean the grill after they'd finally left. They stayed forever. Anyway, and uh, so uh, I was cleaning up the grill, and and it was, and this is what, I, I don't care what they say about Mississippi. Y'all go ahead and have the rest of the country. I'm happy here, and I just looked up into the night sky, and the stars were so glorious, and they were so beautiful, and I just looked, and, and I got to thinking about this whole sermon and magnifying Christ. You, you know, That they created this thing and when you look at a star and I was looking at the stars last night clear night beautiful night you really can't get the vision of the star you can just see them they're so far away you know what I'm talking about there's just and you wish I wish I could see it well they created this thing for those of you that are non-scientific they created this thing called a telescope learn about in school like 11th grade (laughs) anyway and so they created this thing called a telescope and what a telescope does is it takes things that are far away And it magnifies it so that you're right there. And what Paul is saying to you and I, that when you're walking through the suffering in this life, and you're in that down, dark place in your life, if you'll learn to rejoice and to put your hope in Christ, and you're going to keep, and you listen to me this morning, when you're going through the suffering and everybody's watching you, you're going to still go to church and praise him. Even when there's death in your family. You don't skip church when you have a bad week. You run to his house when you have the diagnosis. You're not running away from church because there's a disease out there. You're running into God and I'm going to praise him and I'm going to rejoice when I don't feel like it because guess what I'm doing? Everybody in your family that doesn't know Christ, everybody in your neighborhood that does not know Christ, everybody that you're going to go see at the restaurant today that wasn't at church today, you know how they view your God? They look at him as a distant old story that they've heard. They do not feel like he can ever be a part of their life but if they watch you rejoice, When you go through your suffering, you are magnifying Christ, and you're bringing him to their level. And they go, you know what? If they can praise God in the midst of their dark season, I want what they have. That's why God's saying, get your backside to church. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice when it's hard. Because God's going to use you to magnify his glory. in somebody else that doesn't believe... And by the way, that's happening all the time. A real practical story of that. Uh, did you listen to the podcast this week? Tanner was sharing how that him and uh, Ashley were been going through a difficult season. Some stuff that's happened in their life, financial, medical bills. And he said it was really a huge debt. And he said, and oftentimes they've been there before and they've survived it. But he said, he just sorta of wants to steal your joy. And so they just began to pray, God, give us joy this time. We've had to wait, and we finally got out of debt from the last thing that's happened, and they had to wait on it, and they had to f- pay their way out. But he said this time, he said he wound up deciding they were going to rejoice in it anyway and do it all over again. Getting it? But then he said, last Saturday, they got an unplanned check in the mail, and an insurance company. If you know an insurance company that does the right thing, you know it has to be God, because there's nothing right about that. And anyway. Nothing righteous whatsoever, and an insurance check came in the mail that paid off all of their uh, medical stuff. This is happening every week in our people's lives, because we're learning how to rejoice in our suffering. He still worshiped. He still came to church. He still tied. He still did what God called him to do. And what happens? God gets magnified and gives you hope in your life. Number two is you rely on Christ. Paul says to the church at Philippi, keep praying for me. God is teaching me in these days uh, and, and I'm telling you here at connect church that we've got to learn how to pray for one another in your connect groups tonight You're going to be challenged to take up a prayer partner I'm telling you all the miraculous things that is happening in this church is because we're learning how to pray for one another Paul says it like this for I know that through your prayers and the help of spirit of Christ This will turn out for my deliverance the word translated the Greek word their help has the idea now listen to this of Supplying support in other words what Paul is saying is that when we learn to rely on Christ, Christ is going to send the Holy Spirit into our life. Now, here's what we do for you at Connect Church. Every single one of you that start coming to this church, that's why you needed to go to the John Brown Guest Services desk and turn in your name. We literally, I pray... Over Every single one of you by name every single week we've got connect groups that are meeting together to pray over each other by name We are and here's what I want you to remember this week when you're faced with a difficult decision this week And whenever you're frustrated because of what's going on in your week and you remember and a thought comes into your mind You know what? I can do this I remember the bald headed preacher yelling at me today to rejoice in this that ain't you and that ain't me That's the prayers of the saints of God and the preachers of God pouring into you, and the Holy Spirit is reminding you I'm with you, Christy Kisner, don't you quit. I'm with you, Stanley Young, don't you quit? I'm with you, Austin Owen, don't you quit. That is the support of the Holy Spirit in your life. You rely on the Spirit of God to get you through. And then number three is you gotta remember that you represent Christ. Paul says, when you're between a rock and a hard place, other people are watching you. He says it this way, if I am to live in the flesh, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul goes on to say, the reason I'm going to choose to stay here in this prison cell is I want to be a blessing to the church at Philippi. Look at me, church. We're almost done. When you make a choice, in your time when you're between a rock and a hard place, and you choose to drop God, drop out of church, quit tithing, when it gets tough for you, everybody's watching you. You know who's in our audience today? People are living out a life of between a rock and a hard place. In this audience room this morning, people chose to come to church today. Rejoice in Jesus when it's hard. Relying on the Holy Spirit to get them through. And they're here today because they really are, they represent Christ. And they want their family and friends to know we're not giving up. We have folks in this room today that last year, multiple people that lost babies and children in their life. But they're still here this morning. And they're representing to their neighbors and to their friends that God has given us a reason to rejoice. We know where they're at, and we're going to go see them again. It's okay, we're going on. And we're going to live here and rejoice in what God's given us because we know we're going to see them again. We have people in this audience today, numbers of people, that their spouse has abandoned them and left them for another partner. Happened last year. And you know what, they're here this morning because I don't find my identity in a spouse. I don't find my identity even in marriage. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. He is the reason that I live. He is my sole purpose for my existence. And they're here today to rejoice and to rely And to represent you go ahead and watch my life I'm not quitting on God I'm not quitting on church I'm not giving up because I'm telling you he is worth it he is worth it he is worth it and there are people in this room today that have lost loved ones and been the sorrows of death that you could never imagine but they're here today because they realized I have hope in Jesus Christ I'm here this morning Because I'm going to rejoice that I can see them again if they know Christ. I'm going to to rely upon the Holy Spirit to get me through this journey. And I am going to represent to all of my neighbors and to my community, I will not let my loss of my job, I will not uh, let the death in my family, I will not let the diagnosis in my life ever keep me from relying on God. I don't care how dark it is. I'm just telling you, Christ wants to give us victory and joy in the journey. Now, here's the prayer that I want to challenge you to pray. It's on the screen. You're not going to have time to write it down, but it's in your sermon notes out at the guest services desk. Here's what St. y'all heard of St. Patrick's Day this week. Most of you know that he was an evangelist in Ireland who rejoiced, who relied and represented Jesus in the fifth century. And here's what he prayed, and it's a great prayer to learn. As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me the power of God uphold me and the wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me and the ear of God hear me. The word of God speak for me and may the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. To live is Christ and to die is Christ. Gain. Will you stand with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit that settled on in this service today. As we sing just one verse of invitation this morning, just one verse, Father, we're going to invite folks that are here in the audience today to have a privilege of coming to an old-fashioned altar and say today, I want to be like Tammy that Brother Terry talked about. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ If you need to come today, would you just step out and come and allow Jesus Christ to save you? As we sing a verse of invitation, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.tryconnect.church. Again, That's www.triconnect.church.